just like that, it's 2021. Welcome back, Balancers. I hope you all had a much needed and well-deserved rest. I know that in my break, it was a really good time to just slow down, really assess the things that went well, the things I need to improve on from last year, set my goals and really just get ready for the year to come. I think a really common thought a lot of people have when it comes to, I guess, resetting for the new year is that age old phrase, new year, new me. I want to scrap that. I want everyone to reframe and think new year, better me. We don't want a new version of you. We love that you are unique and, you know, there's only one of you in this world. So we don't need a new you. We just need to be constantly working on ourselves in any capacity or area you feel like you need to work on. So when I say, I guess, kind of thought about what went well or what I could do better, that's the angle I'm coming from and how I would encourage you all to kind of consider moving into the new year. For anyone listening who is struggling, I guess, getting their mindset ready or setting some goals for the year to come, you are absolutely going to love this episode. But before I get into that, I just want to make a note that on our social media, our handle is at the balance theory. I have posted a little bit of a new year checklist, which has helped me, I guess, align myself with what I want this year. And I've also finally, as promised, posted my 20 books of 2020 that I finished last year. I know a lot of you were messaging me on Instagram, asking me to post that. I'm so sorry it was a bit delayed, but it's finally there if you need some inspo for your year to come. Now, I hope you are all super excited. The lineup for this month is insane. I will be posting that on socials this week. I have three awesome women on, but the focus of today is the beautiful Hayley Westerby. So one of the many incredible things that came out of 2020 was meeting this beautiful soul who shares a lot of the same values and appreciates a lot of the same things in life that I do. So I feel very fortunate to have met her. Today, we do a really big deep dive into goals and habits. So essentially how we both go about setting those things that can go wrong or things that can be hurdles when it comes to setting those and other things to bear in mind when you're doing that. So you are sticking to them long term. So you might be someone listening right now who has set yourself goals for the year, or perhaps you're reflecting on last year, noting that, you know, January came around, you're all excited and motivated. And then what happens in Feb, you lose sight of what's happened in Jan, what you've set yourself. So I think this episode is going to be critical to helping you stay on track. And it might also give a little bit of insight as to why those goals or targets have failed in the past. I know that you're going to get so much out of my interview with Haley because whenever I just speak to her, even in just in passing, I feel like I'm downloading a wealth of advice and knowledge on life. And in general, she's just a feel good person. So sit back, enjoy the next 50 or so minutes. And I can't wait to bring you more content this year. Thank you again for tuning in. Let's get into it. Well, if there's anything good that came out of 2020, it was meeting you yes. you beautiful soul Aww. i'm very honored to have Haley on the podcast we met uh at a kx class yeah but i think informally like insta knew each other before but i think we just fade aligned and we just hit it off straight away what do you reckon yeah i think it's so funny as well and i think being on a platform like instagram there's a lot of people that are like there's a lot of negative things that come from a platform like that but there's so many great relationships like mm. this relationship that i've formed on instagram that I just wouldn't change for the world. Yeah. Um, and I just wouldn't have met those people otherwise. So I think it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of positive things to come through from that platform. For sure. So for anyone who's listening who does follow Haley, you might already know a little bit about what she does with herself. Um, but you might actually not know the full extent because you've, you've got a, a world of things going on. So please share with everyone what it is you do. It, it's funny. So my full-time job, um, I am a content and event director for a large advertising group um, and I'm obviously based in Sydney. Um, but it, as a passion of mine um, and having lost quite a large amount of weight, um, I have also started training people and kind of focusing on that kind of health and well-being um, route with a background in, you know, as an athlete. Um so that's kind of what I do, but I suppose then on my platform and my Instagram, um, a lot of people will follow me because they like the authenticity. They like the fact that I just keep it real. And I think that it, it baffles me sometimes that people send me messages saying, you're so authentic. And I just, I sit back and I'm like, hang on a second. Isn't that what this platform what else am I supposed is to be? for? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's crazy that deception on Instagram, especially or social media 
or media in general has become so common now that people are surprised when you're authentic. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame yeah. that it's perceived that way. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm really lucky. I've got an incredible um, group of followers. Um, they're very conscious and caring. And, you know, recently I've been um, quite unwell. And the amount of messages that came through, I literally couldn't keep up. I was very overwhelmed. Um, but, yeah, I think in terms of what I do, my day job is as a content and event director. Um, I love creating content. I love... Um, producing experiences um, that are memorable uh, but uh, from an Instagram and kind of health and wellness point of view that's that's also what I do. Awesome so can we talk a little bit about your journey into fitness so mm. you said you lost a considerable amount of weight yeah. um, and then like you consider yourself like with a background in as an athlete yeah so can you talk to me a little bit about that journey was it the you know what kind of kick started you and how did you sort of fall into it all? Yeah, so I suppose I moved from the UK when I was 13. So I'd been out to Australia once before for three years and then I moved out when I was 13 full time um, because my dad is in the military. So we moved around a lot. Um, Which probably explains why some of you may not be able to pick her accent. That was something I was awfully confused about, but it is a mix of. It's funny. I like I don't think I have an accent when I call my grandparents in the UK. They go. You sound so Australian. <laughs> and then when I speak to, you know, friends or new colleagues or whatever, they're like, are you from New Zealand? Yeah, and it's a bit like, of a Kiwi vibe. No, I, I, I think it's a combination of people that I've spent time with, areas Probably. that I've spent a lot of time in. Um, so, yeah, apologies. For, <laughs> you might have to put subtitles on it. <laughs> no, no, we'll do, we'll do translation. Um, yeah. um, so look, you moved here when... I moved here when I was 13. Um, you know, my parents had always been quite active they'd always encourage us to be active it's not like I was a overweight child growing up or anything like that um both my parents are fairly active anyway my mum was a long distance runner growing up and my dad um has been in the military since he was 17 so he went through Royal Marines training when he was 17 um and has been in the military ever since still in the military um when we moved to Australia coming to Australia from the UK it's a huge sport culture here like coming to school And before you've even been selected to get into a school, they ask you what your sport preference is. And I had no idea. Like I'd come from a school where I didn't have to wear a uniform. It was a co-ed school and I never played sport really in the UK, but was active, would always play in the playground or whatever. Came to Australia and I had to wear a full uniform with a tie and brown shoes. They were hideous. (laughs) And a girls' school, so no boys. And... I had to choose a sport. So I kind of fell into it. You know, I was fairly, you know, active as a child and fell into it, picked up various sports at school and really loved it. And then I started doing surf lifesaving down at the beach. And I loved that. That was like my life. Like I'd spend every weekend down at the beach. Um, And then just kind of kept on picking up um, lots of different sports. I played touch football. I played rugby sevens. I played water polo Mm. um, and loved all of them. Um, and then it was about year 11, I think it was, I had a really bad accident with my knee. Um, and then from there I kind of couldn't exercise and was a fell into that yeah. and then was really busy with the HSC. So I stopped doing sport because I wanted to focus on the HSC and then went to uni straight after that and kind of fell deeper into that hole because I moved away from home for uni. I ate what I wanted to when I wanted to. I was like, oh my God, I don't need to like defend the fact that I'm having biscuits at like 10 o'clock. My, my <laughs> Mum's mom, not watching. Mom's not here. Yeah. And so I kind of fell into that, you know, you wanted to fit in in university. I didn't know anybody going to university because I moved away for university. Yeah. So I wanted to fit in. I was going out when everyone else was going out. And I kind of let all of those like values and morals that I had slide and pass mm. in order to fit in which was great because I made some great friends, but I also put on a lot of weight. So in my third year of university, I decided enough was enough. Um, I had had a heated argument with my boyfriend at the time. Um, and in the heat of the moment, he said, I don't know if you can swear on this, but he said, Go for it. <laughs> he said, he said, lose some weight, you fat bitch was like shots fired. Like we're having a bit of a screaming match. I'm hoping you proceeded with, Walking out the door. I literally just didn't say anything. I was so gobsmacked. And then it wasn't, it was probably like three weeks later, my parents and my family were watching The Biggest Loser and I've never really been into any of those shows. And I remember watching this girl weigh in for the first time 
and she weighed less than I did. And I was like, she is on a show predominantly for fat people to lose weight because they're unable to lose it on their own and I weigh more than her. Like, I need to do something about this. So... That was your moment. That was my moment. And I think it's all... It's really funny because I I always say in my head, you know, people are like, oh, he was so awful for saying that. And I'm like, no, that was like my fuck you moment. That Mm. was like fuck you, I can do this, I will lose weight and I will do it for me and I don't need you. Well, it's Um, all about how you respond and react to situations, right? And and I think you probably can talk more to this like as we progress in the podcast, but it is like, you know, things will happen Mm -hmm. out of your control and it's just how you choose to react or respond to it that will determine how it plays out in your life. This is a perfect example of that. Absolutely. And like for years before that, when I was a bit bigger, a bit bigger, that was a bit of an understatement, isn't it? I was a lot bigger. My mom and like friends would be like, do you want to come for a walk? And I'd take it so personally. I'd be like, are you calling me fat? Do you think I need to exercise? Mm. And it's, I'd take it so personally because it was something that I was conscious of, yeah. but I was not ready to admit it. And it wasn't until that moment that I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And so I, I literally set the smallest little goal for myself. I said, I've got four weeks. I'm going to lose five kilos. If I lose five kilos, I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to lose. Did, did it in like three and a half weeks, I think I weighed in and I was like, oh, this is really easy. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, next month, what am I going to do? And every time I set myself a small achievable goal and I met it, I was motivated then to set another goal because I was like, oh, I've done that. Mm. And then as I started to lose weight, I think I lost about 25 kilos over wow. the case of, I mean, span of about eight months. And then I was like, okay, I'm really happy with where I'm at weight-wise, which is funny in hindsight because I look back now and I'm 65 kilos lighter. Than that point. Than that point. Wow. Or no, 65 kilos in total. Yeah. So still huge. From the beginning, yeah. And I was like, wow, I was really happy with just having lost 25 kilos. Like, so happy. So at that point when I was super happy with where I was at weight-wise, I then changed my goal from a weight loss goal to a fitness goal. So I wanted to do X amount of classes a week or I wanted to lift a certain amount or I wanted to do a chin up or whatever and then started working towards those goals as well. So I think that those little goals were kind of my turning point and then through those little goals I've kind of created those habits that have kind of stuck with me now long term that um, a lot of people will say, you know, you're so obsessed with training or like oh surely you can just do one day without training and I think that for me it's not necessarily about the obsession it's about the fact that a I know what it's like to not move my body yeah and I know how I felt and I know what my mental health was like um and b I'm like I don't even think about it now like it's not even something that I even go oh I've got to exercise don't get me wrong there are some mornings that I get up (laughs) and I'm like it is early and I don't want to do this, but I know There's that I'm There's a four at the start feel... of the time. It's not happening. <laughs> I know that I'm going to feel better for yep. it. And I think on those days, I spoke about it yesterday on my Instagram. I woke up super tired, sore, exhausted. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to feel better after I exercise. So I made my exercise more appealing. And I chose a spin class that I do online that I love the soundtrack to. And I did that because I was like, music is a big thing, a yeah. big mood changer. And I'm like, I did that and I felt so good afterwards because I was like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're not always motivated, but I think that those little habits on repeat mm. are the things that have kind of set me up for, for now. For sure. We'll get a little bit more into your habits in just a minute, but I do want to touch on something. So you said that your goal, like um, when you were, you know, starting a journey, changed from a weight loss goal to a fitness goal. My question is, do you think that anyone sort of starting on their journey Mm -hmm. should from the outset try and shape their goals as fitness goals, like how you've just described them, rather than like numeric, measurable, like specific goals like that? Do you think there is merit in you know, going one way or the other? Or do you think it was only because you achieved those measurable goals, you were able to then reframe them as more kind of like fitnessy, holistic goals? Yeah. Look, I think that, I think that if you were at the weight that I was at, it was severely unhealthy. Like the amount of pressure that was on my body, generally my organs, Mm. I was like, couldn't walk around the block without panting. Like, it wasn't a good place to be in. So I think if you are severely overweight and you are wanting to kickstart it, 
the weight drops really quickly when you change something small when you are that overweight. Yeah. So can kickstart it quite well. A numbers based thing and a small number. Don't like if I had started out on my journey saying I'm going to lose 65 kilos, probs wouldn't be here today like yeah. talking about it, right? So I think that if you if you are severely overweight, I do think that for the first 6 months or 4 months, focus on that number because that's the thing that's going to be Push really you. quick. And that's going to be the thing that with a couple of tweaks to your diet or your training, that's going to drop really mm-hmm. quickly. And those results will then motivate you to go, oh, okay. Yeah. And also, if you're not training actively or regularly, from going to that to then going, okay, I want to do a chin-up, that can be really... Bit over the bend, bit it, over the mark. It, it can, yeah, it can be really disheartening. Yeah. I think, you know, if I tried to pull myself up 65 kilos heavier... I would just have given up. Yeah. So I think that for me, um, and it might be different for every person, but I think, yeah, if you've got weight, a lot of weight to lose, I think the numbers thing is a good way to kickstart it and then shift your priority to no longer being about the number on the scale yeah. to an uh, to a physical or a fitness-based goal. Um, but I think that if you are already at a healthy weight and you have a fitness or health goal, I definitely think that turning your attention from an aesthetic goal mm. to a fitness-based goal yeah. is so much more ben- beneficial because that benchmark will always move, right? That's like right. Like if I say, I want abs, right? You get a six-pack, you can see them. Everyone's like, wow, she has abs. You'd be like, oh, yeah, but I want like these ones and I want these ones to show. And that, that goalpost is always changing. Mm. It's the same as building bums. Like I see so many girls being like, I want a bigger bum. And I'm like, that's great. But that goalpost is so wide. And it's also often dictated by whatever the trend is, right? Absolutely. So like you and, – and the thing with like setting yourself goals or – we look, I'm going to jump ahead. Let's just chat about the goal bit Go now. The thing with setting goals is you'll, you'll set a goal, you'll get there, and then like you said, the goalpost goes further back. And so I think you need to have this relationship or a little bit of freedom when it yeah. comes to your goals to a point where – you can be flexible, they can change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a key part of that is ce- the celebration part. So when you actually get to the goal rather than go, oh, but I actually want this now, mm-hmm. you know, you, you celebrate and you acknowledge, okay, I've actually done this. So when you lost the 25, yeah, you yeah. you were happy at that point, you yeah. know, and then you reset another goal. And that's probably what actually spurred you to keep going yeah. in that direction. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the time we forget to stop and, and smell the roses, like yeah. the age old saying, like, yeah. you know, but you forget to stop and think, wow, I've actually accomplish all this like yeah i haven't you know saved x amount of money yet but when you break it down like i'm on track to getting there or whatever the case is yeah and i think talking about rewards it's really funny one of my favorite sayings is do not reward yourself with food you're not a dog i love food and i know you do too (laughs) so i love my food but i think the, the the if you distill that quote into fundamentally what it means is that you know there's no point in rewarding yourself if you've been cutting out junk food right and you go for 12 weeks i'm going to cut out junk food and you cut out junk food and then at the end you're like okay now that i've cut out junk food for 12 weeks i'm going to have all of the junk food that i missed right Mm. it's counterintuitive to what you're actually achieving because what you're rewarding yourself with is the exact thing that you're trying to get rid of or avoid in your diet so for me with the training and my goals when i set it up was I set monthly goals because the four weeks is super achievable and it doesn't seem like too far down the track. Yeah. And then at the end of each of those months, if I had hit the goal that I had intended, I'd buy myself more activewear That's or a good more one. shoes, like running shoes. Because by rewarding myself with something that's actually going to help my goal or my habit as opposed to hindering it, mm. you're then actually helping yourself. Yeah. And like one of the biggest things for sticking to a goal or a habit is making sure your environment supports that goal or habit. For sure. And if you're cut, like cutting out junk food and then you reward yourself with junk food, your body's going to continue cutting it out and then continue rewarding it with junk food, which is just so counterintuitive to what um, mm. your body needs or, or, or wants. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So let's kind of condense that. So when it comes to setting goals, mm. one of the things that you do that actually I've got a two-step thing and it's probably exactly the same mm. as you. And the, the first would be 
breaking them down into small achievable goals. So for example, if your yearly goal, let's maybe talk about um, a training goal, right? Mm -hmm. You want to end up squatting 100 kilos by the end of the Mm -hmm. year. And at the moment you can only squat 50. That seems like very overwhelming when you think about Mm -hmm. it, like far out. I've got to double what I can put on my shoulders by the end of the year. But when you break it down, that's only what you've got to every six months, you've Mm. got to just go up to 25 or every quarter you've got to go up, you know, and you start breaking it down and the small things become achievable. And the second part of what you've said, which is also something I do is the reward piece. But Mm. I really like what you said. You make the reward kind of fit into whatever the goal is. So that's actually even like, it could be if it was a financial goal, Mm. um, don't go out then and spend it all. Like if you're saying, Hey, I'm saving $500 a month. Great. If I do that for 12 months and at 12 months time, I'm then going to go out and buy something because I've been restricting myself, not buying anything. Then it's counterintuitive to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you say, for example, for, for me, one of my goals is to read more, Mm -hmm. right? It It was two years ago. I set a goal to, read um 12 books in 12 months um and i did it and it reignited my passion for reading um, which i kept on doing last year i i did and i read but not nearly as much as i would have liked to this year i want to do it again so josh my partner and i are doing 12 books in 12 months again it helps when you've got your partner on board to do it because instead of laying in bed on a phone we're laying in bed reading Mm -hmm. um but with that, the reward is once you do that, then buy more books. Yes. To continue reading. And who doesn't love fresh it's books? It's not to in pick your phone up and go on social media. Yeah. Because if I go, okay, well, if I read 10 pages and then I can go on social media, it's counterintuitive because all I'm looking forward to is the social media. That's right. And that, that reward doesn't measure or doesn't stack mm-hmm. up with your goal. And that's actually a really good example. Um, I said, 20 for last year mm. i literally hit it like one hour before news eve i, I thought i had hit the 20 yeah. and then i realized like three days before it was 19 i was like Crap, i have to bash <laughs> it out now but um that's i like reading as an example because when you break it down you realize okay how many books yours is easy it's one book a month but say with a 20 that's like one every two to three weeks mm. and i think one thing people forget to do when they set goals that's fine you make them small you set yourself rewards but then you actually have to sit down and think about how is this actually going to fit into my routine yeah. so if you say oh, i want to read but you don't say to yourself okay when i go to bed i'm going to go to bed half an hour earlier and that's what i'm going to read or when i'm on the train yeah. i'm not going to pull out my phone and that's my reading time if you don't actually dedicate time yeah. to making that habit come to life yeah then you're more than likely not going to stick to it at all. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things people fall back on is, I don't have time for it. Mm. Like, I don't have time to read. I was one of those people. I was like, Mm. I'm so busy. I literally jam-packed my day from morning to night and I do not have time to read. But I instead looked at it, um, there's this technique called habit stacking. And you if you have a pre-existing habit for example working out every day or getting a coffee every day and that's something that you do the train every day that you do every single day um and that is a pre-existing habit if you then want to read more you should stack that new habit on top of that pre-existing habit and then it becomes a kind of stacked habit because it's easier to implement something on top of a pre-existing habit than it is yes. to make more make time. a new time yes. or go, okay, well, instead of going to bed at 9 o'clock every night, I'm going to go to bed at 11 so that I have time to work out in the evening. That's not going to work yeah. because you have to force an entirely new behavior. Whereas if you can tap into an existing behavior that you're already doing, yeah, perfect. then the success is halfway done. Yes, It's just about stacking that on top. So for example, you know, my mum walks down every morning to get a coffee. She walks down to the beach. She said, oh, I want to do some more walking. I want to walk longer. Cause she's like, at the moment, all I do is walk down to the coffee shop and then mm. I walk back. And I said, well, walk longer, but get your coffee after you've walked longer mm. because that's your reward for doing mm. your longer walk. And it's already um, the signal for the walk is over. And she's already getting up and going out. So yeah. I think I think the biggest thing as well is with those habits, if you're trying to start something new, definitely stack the habits. Mm-hmm. But every habit, I firmly believe that every habit can be started within two minutes. Okay. Right? 
and I have a two minute rule as well. So two minutes is like, is all it takes for a habit. So it's not necessarily reading 10 pages every night is your habit because that doesn't take two minutes. Mm-hmm. It's picking up the book every night. Yes. Right? It's like it's putting not, on the shoes to go for the run. It's not going for a run every night. It's putting on your shoes. It's, you know, um, not, you know, someone said to me one of their goals was to be less judgy. And I love that. But breaking that down and what that means is, oh, instead of judging somebody at face value, I'm going to take longer to get to know somebody. Mm -hmm. And then distilling that even further is, okay, well, I'm going to ask them five different questions that I typically ask somebody when I meet somebody. Yeah. And that's your two-minute goal. Yeah. It's the same as a two-minute rule in terms of if I don't want to do anything or do something, I'll be like, okay, I'll just do two minutes of it. Mm. I had to do my expenses for work the other day. I was like, I can't stand looking. I could (laughs) never be an accountant. But I was like, okay, I'm going to look, do it for two minutes and then I'll do something else. And I literally start, once I had started it, done two minutes, then if I wanted to stop, I could stop. But once I had started it, then I was like, oh, I'm already here. I'm just going to keep going. Well, this is the thing, right? I don't know if anyone's read um, Jim Quick's book, Limitless, or seen Mm. any of his talks. I've recently read it and I have had the honor of seeing him speak Mm. in person. But one of the things he says is it's like flossing your teeth, Mm. right? People always forget. But if you set yourself a reminder, just floss one tooth, right? Like who's going to floss one tooth? Mm. But if you just set yourself that goal, just floss one tooth. By the time you're there, all your teeth are getting flossed. So that's, and it's the same with like goal setting or like, so I quite like that. It's like, just do it for two minutes. And then if you're really hating your life, you can stop. But more often than not, once the ball's rolling, you're already there. Well, that was like me the other night. I was exhausted. I think I got into bed at just up after 11 and I was like, oh, I haven't read today. And that's my goal. It's just to read every day. It doesn't matter how many pages, just read. Yeah. And... I got into bed and I was like, oh, I really don't want to read. I was like, okay, I'll just do it for two minutes. So I set a timer on my phone, picked up my book, my alarm went off and I was like, oh no, I'll finish this chapter. Yeah. And it's the subconscious. And I think when it's rewarding, like finishing a chapter or something like that, that's when that dopamine cycle or loop kicks in. And that's when you continue doing it. Mm. So I think, you know, if it's the same as, you know, why toothpaste was invented, going back to your flossing example, you know, toothpaste, fundamentally the cleaning product for your teeth is not mint flavored. Yeah, it doesn't give you the tingles. That was no, just a sales. It's literally point. just a, like a. a <laughs> I think we've read the sample. Fluid. Yeah. <laughs> the power of habits. There's a lot of them. Yeah. But like he invented that, and you know it's the same as hand washing. Soap itself doesn't froth up unless yeah. you put a certain thing in it, mm. and when it froths up, it becomes a little bit more satisfying, and you go, oh, there's so many bubbles, I'm going to cover all my hands with it, <laughs> so people wash their hands more. So I think. Where you can make a habit attractive yes, or a goal attractive, the more likely you are to do it. And you can make everything attractive, even if it's cleaning a room. Mm. Well, I think it comes down to as well, like on top of that, it's why are you doing something, right? Mm. For example, if you hate asparagus and I told you, you got to eat it, like you just, yeah. you really just want to have it because you know it's good for you or whatever. If every day you're eating asparagus, right? Mm. You're eating at the same time every day in your head you still hate asparagus Mm. so the emotion attached to that habit or doing the thing Mm. is very negative right you're not you're not thinking it's good for me or i might like it you know so i think it's important to think about the emotion that attaches with doing the thing yeah with exercise like absolutely i'll be the first to say it's not always enjoyable i love training but you know the actual act of exerting yourself and depleting your energy is not always the funnest thing in the world especially when you're in those moves that reformer that you just want to yeah the (laughs) booty is just like not handling it but you know that like at the end, you're going to feel so good. You know, it's great to move your body. You know, that strengthening all these little muscles is so important and, and yeah. for the long-term health. So again, like if you have, are finding it difficult to maybe implement a habit and, you know, you, you tried out some of the things we've spoken about today, I think another thing is considering what emotion goes with that habit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think, as I said, creating an environment that supports that goal Mm. is so important whether it's your partner whether it's you know for example if you didn't want to eat chocolate but you always have chocolate in your fridge because your partner has self-control it has nothing to do with self-control it's got to do with the fact that maybe your partner doesn't go into the fridge as often but every time you open the door that's all you see so it comes down to circumstance and environment. And I think that if you can create an environment, I read this really great book, which talks about designing your home to suit your goals or to suit your habits. Mm. 
and it talks about each space in the house should have one purpose and one purpose only Mm. so you know we're here in your home and i think that you know if you record your podcast here you shouldn't eat here you Mm. shouldn't do anything else here because this is your one centralized place for producing podcasts because what happens especially at home is i go oh okay i'm going to be on instagram less today but then i sit down on the couch that's an instant trigger for me to pick up my phone and start scrolling or Mm. checking emails so if i want to be less conscious i either sit down on the couch and i don't have my phone with me yep or I'm being more acutely aware as to the triggers that set me off. So if I'm sitting in the kitchen working, am I going to feel more hungry? Yes, probably. If I'm working mm. in my study, am I going to feel hungry? Probably not because I'm not associated in a different room. Yeah, and it's actually quite interesting for majority, well, I'd say quite a lot of people mm. had to work from home bulk of last yeah. year, probably still working from home or at least split. So this is quite interesting. Um, I think if you're living in an apartment that's quite small, mm. it's something to be very, very conscious of. Because sometimes you can't always, you know, work outside of your bedroom mm. or work outside of your kitchen. To be honest with you, I put my standing desk right there. Yeah. And I'm like arm's length from the fridge. Yeah. But it is about if once you're if you can't physically do that, yeah. which I think is great if you've got the space for yeah. it and you can dissect, you know, what every purpose is mm. for. But if you can't, it is about being very acutely aware of mm. what those subconscious automatic triggers, triggers are. are you know like wh- what do you do when you sit at the table automatically like yeah. i have a rule we we try not to do phones yeah. at dinner we try not to do any tv or any sort in the bedroom yeah. either it's you know if you want to do that it's on totally. the couch so and that's where those bad habits are formed i think mm. if i'm sitting at my kitchen bench and i that's why they say you should only ever do like one multitasking is great and it's got me to where i am today <laughs> But I think that if you are sitting eating your lunch or your dinner, you shouldn't be scrolling through Instagram because when you're eating and you're feeling amazing because you're eating yummy food and you're scrolling through Instagram and you're getting that reward of scrolling through Instagram, they're two contradicting things that are innately, the more you do them, they're going to be stacked on top of each other. And then yeah. next time you pick up you know, something to eat in the kitchen – you're going to be like, oh, I'll check Instagram because they become more and more one task yeah, as opposed to two separate tasks. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So while we're on the topic of habits, mm-hmm. what are some of your non-negotiables? <sighs> I have a lot of non-negotiables, but I think it, it's funny. I was talking about non-negotiables for a relationship, right? Mm. Non-negotiables for a relationship need to align to my values. Like, yes, 100%. you know, my, my family are important. You know, my training is important. My career is important. Um, Yes, I want my own family in the future. And those kinds of things are non-negotiable. So I think, you know, it doesn't matter how attractive the guy is, how successful the guy is. Like, if he doesn't align to your non-negotiables, it is never going to work, right? And if you don't know your non-negotiables, you'll find you might be switching through people quite quickly, even with friendships, actually. Absolutely. Any relationship. Any relationship. Mm. So with its partners, friends, you know, if your friends don't hold the same values that you do, Mm. it's the same love languages, right? Like if if, if I show my affection in, in terms of bringing gifts, right? But my friends don't do that. But that's the only way that I feel affection. You're going to feel very unloved. I'm going to feel very unloved. Um, And that's the same for work. It's the same for uh, personal. It's everything. But in terms of non-negotiables from a day-to-day basis, um, movement is really important and it's critical um, for my mental health. You know, a few years ago I was training quite a lot. And so three gym sessions in one day now is not a lot because that's what you did two weeks ago <laughs> when I did a boxing session. That's a one-off though. Okay, like, good. It's not an everyday thing. You're making me thing. feel bad. No, no, no. It's not, a, it's not an everyday thing. I think um, that used to be normal for me. Wow. Like that used to be normal and I would train and train and train and train. I just think of how much you would have had to eat <laughs> to yeah, give yourself. But the thing is I was under eating. So yeah. I had no energy. Right. I was overtraining. Like this is the, the lessons you learn. detrimental um to your mental health to the way you actually feel about yourself and that's Mm. where exercise can be really detrimental to how Mm. you feel yes um you know not all exercise makes you feel great and when Mm. you're overtraining that is certainly where you start to feel like shit burnout and absolutely so um my non-negotiables from a day-to-day basis is movement Mm -hmm. um and this year i've slightly changed it because it used to be to train every day, but that's just not realistic. Mm. So for me, it's about moving every day. So whether that's going for a walk, doing a yoga flow at home, 
spinning at home, boxing, whatever it is, weight training, mm. is doing something every single day because I know that my mental health benefits because of it. And do you have like a minimum time, like 20 minutes at no. least? or So you don't do matter. it. Just, just walk around the it. block, it's yeah. fine. Perfect. Anything, like movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this saying, which is like movement over intensity, which is like pro- always prioritize that movement. Don't If you're just sitting there going, I really don't feel like doing this hit class, don't do it. Mm. Go and do something that's a little bit more calmer on your body, like a yoga class Mm. or go for a walk and take in the view or walk with a friend. You know, if you're not feeling mentally well, um, don't sit and train for hours on your own Mm. because that's not going to make you feel good. That, you know, I'll go for a walk with a girlfriend because we can chat and I'm moving and, you know, we can talk about things and things like that. So I think that, yeah, it's really important to have like a non-negotiable that's achievable every day. Yes. Um, and like I said, it can be done in two minutes. So it doesn't matter if I do a two-minute stretch sequence. Yep. I've moved today. Yeah, It's not that. sitting, right? Um, so that's one like non-negotiable. I suppose the other non-negotiable is prioritizing myself. Mm. I think that 2020, um, I think a lot of the years actually, many years we've glorified being busy. With you know honorable badge, the hustle absolutely. and the bustle. And if you ask anybody, hey, how are you going? Oh, busy. So busy. It's like an immediate <laughs> response. I still do it because yeah. it's like it's the easiest way to sum up what you're doing. But that doesn't answer how you are. It answers point. what you're doing. So I think that you know we're so quick to say, oh yeah, just really busy. You know, lots going on. Busy, 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 busy. And that's all it is. But it's this glorification of being busy that burns us out and that forgets um, if we forget that actually being busy is very different to being productive. Mm, And I think there's this huge glorification of being busy in, you know, that relates to being successful, that be, you know, relates to being financially well off. It relates to being well and Mm. healthy and I think that's so wrong. So I think that in 2021, I really want to prioritize me, both mm. professionally, personally, you know, within my fitness, my training and my work, because I think that at the end of the day, there's no one going to look after you other than you. Mm. Um, and and if you can't look after, energy. yeah, if you yeah. can't even look after yourself, you can't Absolutely. expect someone else to do it for you. But if I'm just going to think about what you just said in terms of balance, I think that's a really nice way to sum it up. Like your balance this year is you prioritizing you in all the areas that matter to you. And at the end of the day, like people who are busy are not necessarily balanced in their own right. You know, someone who maybe is a CEO, no children, still makes time to work out Mm -hmm. and gets out on the weekends could very well be be balanced, Mm -hmm. even if they're doing crazy hours. You know, it really comes down to what your soul needs, what your body needs and what's important to you at the end of the day. So I think you've summed it up nicely. So I think it's really important with that as well when people talk about balance and it always makes me laugh when people get angry at people who say that they're busy but they don't think that that person is as busy as they are. It's like a competition. Like how busy are you versus me? And you're just like, (laughs) oh, this person said she was so busy but she wouldn't know what busy was. Like Mm. I'm so busy. And it's like everyone has their own definition of busy yes um everyone has their own definition of balance Mm -hmm. and for me balance is different every single day of course there is a day that work will take priority and my training and my career uh my uh, sorry relationship will take a back seat you know um there are days that my relationship takes priority today is one of them it's my partner's birthday it's all about him right like work and those kinds of things can wait Mm. and i think that it's so important that you prioritize the right things and you identify the things that you need to prioritize each day, not each week, each day, because there are things that need to be prioritized daily and Mm -hmm. changed daily. You know, Friday, you might not be feeling very well. You feel, you know, exhausted after the first week back at work and you need to prioritize your mental health and your well-being. Mm. So maybe you pick up an extra yoga class and forego that dinner with, your boyfriend's parents that you don't really want to go to because it's going to make you feel like shit. Yeah. 
And I think that it's really important to look at it on a day-to-day basis as opposed to a weekly basis. 100%. Because, or even a monthly basis and go, okay, this month I'm focusing on training. Yeah. And it's like, well, what happens if you have the busiest week of, or busiest year of your, uh, busiest Busiest month month of your year? um, (laughs) That month. That month. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, you're never going to succeed at that focusing on training because work is always going to take that priority. So I think that, you know, I think it's really important that we remember that everybody's balance is different, but also everybody's busy is different. And I think it always makes me chuckle. Like I just laugh to myself when someone goes, oh, did you hear that she said she was so busy? And I'm like, oh, get over it. Like for what (laughs) her threshold for busy is here. My threshold for busy is here. And I I began to understand that when I spoke to my GP about two years ago, I had a stroke in my eye, which is crazy. And it still takes me ages to get my head around. So what essentially happened, I was really busy for about three weeks, very little sleep with work was pushing myself, constantly staring at a computer screen, Mm. pushing, 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 pushing. And then Friday morning, I woke up and my eye was a little bit droopy, just one, (laughs) cute. Um, And it was a little bit droopy. And then over the course of the day, it completely shut. It was stone cold shut. And like, I tried everything to like, be like, open it, open it, couldn't open it. For three weeks, my eye stayed shut, just one of them. And they couldn't figure out what it was. And what they determined it was, was a response of stress on the body that had attacked the weakest part of my body, which was my eyes, because I wasn't wearing my glasses. Right. And it forced it to have almost like a Bell's palsy reaction that was temporary, shut one of my eyes for about three weeks. And I remember speaking to my GP and he was like, are you busy or stressed or whatever? And I was like, oh, I mean, I've been busier. I've been more stressed in my life. And he was just like, yes, but he's like your definition of busy versus the standard definition of busy Mm. or someone else's definition of busy is so different. Yes. And he's like, if you're operating at an already heightened level of stress or busy and that's your normal. Yes. I was going to say when you're then pushed up above that, your body is then so far away from where it should Mm. be that it just shuts down. So I think that. Yeah, I think that that really sung true for me because, you know, I thought I was immune to anything. I was like, I've got this, I'm just going to keep working, I can sleep when I'm dead, all of that. And I think that, you know, (laughs) exactly, it becomes this norm that you're like, oh yeah, I'm so busy, I've got so many pictures, I've got so many meetings, blah, 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 it's great, I'm busy, everyone loves me. But you're just doing more harm to your own self. So I think that, you know, if that had happened to a person that isn't very stressed or busy in their their life, you know, the level of stress for them would be so much more. Mm. But for me, I was like, I'm not really that busy or stressed. I Mm. think that everyone's definition of busy Mm. is so vastly different. And I think that we just need to be a bit more understanding of one another's busy. You know, if you can't make a date with a girlfriend or, you know, you can't make a date with friends because you're busy and that's what you deem yourself to be Mm. then accept it like let your friends accept it and if they don't then it's not the right network of friends to be around not supportive for them (laughs) (laughs) no that that's definitely true and i like how you've tied in like busy and balanced like Mm. they're definitely you know on the same wavelength to some degree Mm. and a key thing there and it's something i've always said from the start of this podcast is balance is not a fixed linear Mm -hmm. thing you know like at the moment your balance looks like x and tomorrow or next year whatever it's going to change when you have kids big milestones will alter and shift your balance but i think the key for everyone is that between health and that encompasses both your physical and your mental relationships whether it be love friendships family and your fulfillment so whether that is your career or a hobby or your studying whatever that means to you i think At any stage in your life, you will have your hands or toes dipped in any of those to some degree. But like you said, depending on what happens in life, which is always out of our control, most of the time it really is, um, you know, you have to reprioritize. And I think that is the skill that helps you rejig your balance or just sort of get as close to being on top of it as you can all the time. It's about waking up and saying, okay, wow, this thing's just happened in my family. Everything I thought I had planned for the day, out the door. My daily habits sometimes out the door. I've got to prioritize this. And you have to be resilient with it. And you have to accept. I think it's a big acceptance piece and say, okay, right now I'm on the downturn. I'm at a low point. 
but it's, you know, it's not permanent. Yeah. It's temporary and I need to reshift and reprioritize. And then there'll be high moments. And it's just yeah. always a dance between those and, and how you kind of interact with your priorities. I think is a big, big deal. But knowing them to start with is very important. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're so right. I think also when it comes to, to those things, you know, if a habit or something like movement for me is important to your mental health, it's not just an aesthetic thing. It's not just, it is bigger than that. Yeah. I think the systems that you put in place will help you manage that on a day-to-day basis regardless of what your day throws at you. Yes. You know, so many people ask why I train so early and I'm like, because nobody can call me, nobody can change the course of my day, no no one can text me, nothing can happen to ruin that moment for me. And that means that then that becomes a non-negotiable of every day. And, you know, if I am resting or whatever and sleep in and decide to train later, then that's fine. But the systems that I set in place in order to ensure that I'm moving to maintain my mental health will ensure that I will train later on in the day. So I think it's not necessarily about having those, okay, I need to eat five carrots a day. I need to drink five liters of water a day. It's about doing that task every single day, Mm. regardless of whether it's, you know, bang on where you want to be or not. It's that consistency of doing something every single day. And that's why I said, you know, picking up a book for me, I'm doing it every single day. doesn't matter if I read two pages or 30 pages or an entire book in a sitting, I'm picking up a book every single day. And I think that the consistency is king when it comes to those things. hundred percent. I just want to ask you a little bit about, so when you're generally feeling a bit out of touch with your routine or balance, I know recently you've had, you know, a bit of an episode with your gut um, mm-hmm. and, and like digestive issues, if mm-hmm. I can exclaim on yeah. the show. And I know that impacted, you know, your ability to train yeah. and you, your, what you were eating and things like yeah. that. So off the back of that, are yeah. there any go-tos for you personally mm-hmm. when you do feel out of touch or off or just yeah. completely like overwhelmed? Yeah, look, I think there's, there's two things, right? I think when you're out of touch, when you're sick, your body takes priority, right? Like my, it, it, the weird thing when I was sick or still am slash figuring out what's going on. Um, journey. We're on we're, journey. Yeah, we're on a, we're on a sickness journey. That's where I'm at. <laughs> You'll have um, to watch the stories and watch his face. Yeah, that's it. Um, so I think that when you're sick, your body, the place in which you live, the place in which is sick takes priority. Yeah. So if you're feeling like you don't want to exercise, don't right if you need to move for your mental health do a yoga class or do something that's very calming and low impact on the body um because your body will thank you for it and thank you for moving you know even if it's just rolling your body out on like a foam roller Mm. like that's so important to get the energy moving around your Mm. body if you're sitting stagnant or staying in bed when you're sick for me it's very strange because although i have had this big issue with my stomach i've still felt well so I've still been training. So a lot of people are like, you're sick, you shouldn't be training. But I feel fine and I know that it's going to help me not dip into that m- mental health space that's like... All you can focus on is just All I can focus on, yeah. focus on is it's not getting any better. Like This is three months it's been going on now. Mm. And if I wasn't training, I guarantee that my headspace would be a lot more negative than mm. it is at the moment. So with training, because I am able to train during it, I feel a lot more positive about it. So I feel as though, okay, well, if this doesn't work, then we go on to the next thing and it's a step-by-step process, right? Mm -hmm. But in terms of when I'm feeling off and it's just a normal day and, um, you know, something might have happened at work or, you know, you've had a shitty conversation with a friend or something like that, I think music is such an important tool and it's such an underrated tool to change your mood you're not the first to say it on the podcast so music is so important and there are times that i have had the shittest and i'm talking shittest day at work and i've got in my car and i've turned up the music as loud as it possibly (laughs) goes because there is a certain it's scientifically proven that there is a certain threshold of music volume Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the music is that will then release that dopamine and endorphins that makes you feel good right so i blasted it i used to do this well before the science was released mind you, so it's not all <laughs> you're, you're well based. ahead of the time <laughs> um i blast it and i would literally doesn't matter what song i had a playlist that i just put on and i would just play that on the way home because a the music was so loud i couldn't think about anything else yeah 
and B, it made me feel good. So by the time I got home, I could then call my boyfriend and be like, my day was okay, it was pretty shit, yep. but I was in a better headspace. I've given myself that time between work and home. To decompress a little. Absolutely. Yeah. Or if I get home, I'm not then snapping at somebody because yeah. I've had a shit day, but they don't know that I've had a shit day and therefore I'm taking it out on them, which isn't fair. Yeah. Music is a huge thing for me. So if I wake up feeling like shit at 5am, the first thing I do is put my AirPods in and listen to a song that I'm into at the time. And Love a it. lot of people say, you know, what type of song or and it, it honestly doesn't matter. Could be country music, could be whatever I feel like at the time. So music is a big one for me. I think... I think the energy, it's really funny because I used to laugh at people when they said, oh, you can tell your energy is really good. And I was like, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's just, I think it's just I think like, I've said that to you as no, well. No, but like five years ago, if you had said that to me, I would have just been like, what does she mean by that? Mm. Like, whatever. Like, what a weird thing to say. <laughs> but now I'm like, surrounding yourself with people who have similar energy values to you mm. is so important because if I'm having a shit day... I don't want to call my negative Nancy friend and her be like, yeah, you're right. That was such a shit day. Yeah. Right. You want to call your friend and she's just like, ah, it's okay. I'll come around. We'll have dinner. Yeah. Or, oh, that's so shit. I'm sorry that happened. Why don't we go for a walk tomorrow morning? Mm. And you need, it's so important. I think if anything 2020 has taught us is that good people are vital to any workplace or relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have culled friends in 2020 because they've realized that those people, yeah, aren't the people that they thought they were. Well, when times get tough, right? You see, Absolutely. you really True see colors. things. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that um, it also then forces, you know, new friendships. And I think that you and I connected last year because, you know, we were both trying to train post-COVID, get back mm. into training post-COVID. We've both been training at home. Mm. And those similar values and morals then click. Mm. So I think that having people with good energy, there's that word. Um, <laughs> now you're throwing it yeah, out. Look at that. I love it. I'm <laughs> Boomerang. Like, I, I think it's really funny. I think it's so cliche and I laugh at myself and I'll be the first person to put my hand up and be like, five years ago, if you'd been like, Haley, you have really good energy, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> like just nothing, right? But now I'm like, I realize the value and the importance of good energy. Um, and I think that having good energy people in your life, mm. whether that's your family, and I've worked for like the last five years to get rid of any toxic energy, whether it's friendships, relationships, workplaces, mm. in my life, remove it. And if there's ever a toxic moment or a negative energy from someone something a workplace a client a colleague a gym mm. i don't go back yeah right because my energy is so important to stay positive because 100%. if i drop down into that negative mindset it then spirals down and i lose control of it so what about for anyone listening who might have a negative person in their family mm. they have to see them at family events what would be your advice in that situation I think it's really important to not take it personally. Yeah. Um, I'll be I'll be the first to say my sister and I are chalk and cheese. Um, very different. And I love her dearly. But we're very different. So that has often caused the root of misunderstandings, miscommunications. We like different things, all of that. And I think the one thing for me that's helped me communicate better with her is knowing that it's not a personal attack. Mm. She's not doing point. it because she doesn't like me. Mm. She's doing it because her values are different to mine. Yeah. Right? And if I was Joe Blow in the street, she's going to have the same reaction to what he, he said Yeah. that what I said. So I think if you remove the personal element from it, one of my favorite um, things that I kind of – I did, I spoke about a lot when I had, you know, teams in, within the workplace. If you have two scenarios where – you have a friend that you like and you get along with really well and your values align. And then you have a friend that you don't really get is a bit weird. Like you don't really like some of the things that they do or some of the things that they say. So you have that kind of negative feeling towards that person, right? Yeah. If you work with both these friends, they both call in sick on the same day. Both have no reason as to why they've called in sick, but they're both sick, mm -hmm. right? Your immediate reaction to that person who is a good friend is, oh, poor thing, they must be so sick. Like, she probably needs the rest, blah, 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 blah. 
the person that you're reacting to that you don't really like or you've had run-ins with in the past, your immediate reaction is to go, oh, they're such a bludger. Like they've probably <laughs> gone out last night and they've got drunk and they just don't want to come in and now they've left me with all the work to do, right? Right. But if you remove those two people, the problem at heart is exactly the same. Mm. They're both called into work sick, but your reaction to those two things are so vastly different mm. that is based purely on who that person is and the relationship that you have with them. So I think that it is very easy to get caught up and go, oh, well, if, if you've heard that person say something negative before, your immediate reaction is to be like, oh, well, she's always so negative. And yep. then you get frustrated by that because you're not a negative person. Yeah. Whereas if you can remove the person from that and actually just distill what they're trying to say or what they're saying. The core of it, yeah. Then you can actually have a lot more healthier conversations based on what fundamentally that person is saying as opposed to what that person has done in the past or any attributes that you might be holding to them. So I think that that's really important is to remove that kind of personal element from it or remove the person from the problem Yeah, and go, if this was a friend, would I call her out on it? If this was a workplace, would I call them out on it? And then deal with the problem at hand. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I, I would add to that and say on the flip, if it is someone that is just a negative person, really just don't have much in common with them, you just limit your exposure to them. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be rude to anyone. You don't have to be impolite. Absolutely. But if it is something like the workplace and you don't need to speak to that person all the time, just be courteous and yeah. you don't need to extend yourself. Same at family events. Yeah. Just high by. But if you know that the topic of business or politics or whatever brings up a bit of a storm, avoid just it. avoid it. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't have to be a conversation you have. Yeah. And I think also just because you're interested in something doesn't mean that somebody else is. So if somebody's not showing that interest and you take that personally, that's on that's, you. That's on you. Mm. Like you can, and as you said at the beginning, I think you can control how you react to mm. things and our reactions to things define who we are. So I think that if you can see a problem or a situation for what it is without the person, then you're going to be so much better off for it because you'll mm. be able to dissect you know, divulge and figure out what it is that the conversation that you're having or the problem that has arisen without that person and that identification that you have with them being involved. Yeah, and that that process of like just really compartmentalizing Mm. and breaking it down will probably help you understand what your triggers are as well and what you relate to. So, you know, it's the old age old rule, just count to 10, you know, and think about it before (laughs) because when we come from a place of emotion, we often very far removed from like, I know that in... Even in the in the recent past, like, you know, when I react in a moment where I'm, I'm feeling the emotion, I'm mm. frustrated, I'm pissed off, whatever it is, Absolutely. like what comes out of my mouth is not nearly as reflective as what is in my head. So sometimes you just need a hot minute. You're so true. It's so right. And I think that also with that in mind, I think that, you know, we're not perfect. And I think that if we do say something, you know, I've recently done it as well about a month ago where you've said something and you're like, look. I didn't want to upset you, but really liquid paper that. I meant what I said and I would never take that back, but this is why I said it and yes. this is why I snapped and this is why I was frustrated. And if you can articulate that and if you have a reason for that, mm. then fine. And if you can articulate that to that person and own your own flaws as well, yep. I think it's very hypocritical to, you know, call people out on their flaws, but then when they call you out, you get yeah, you know, you feel of. you feel offended, and you're like, oh, well, you know, that's not what I thought, but that's somebody's opinion, and they're entitled to that. So I think, yeah, I think definitely breathing, but I think also if you do fuck up, like own it. Mm. If you do snap at somebody, we all have those moments where we reach boiling point because, unfortunately, life isn't perfectly mm. balanced, and I think that when you can own those flaws and you can own those mistakes and go, you know what, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say this wasn't how I felt or this wasn't what What I I wanted or what I meant. Yeah. But it is in those moments that you actually grow because you Mm. think, okay, I've done this. I've acknowledged that I've done this. Mm. Is it something I want to change or is that just who I am? Because if Mm. it is, you shouldn't be apologizing and maybe need a different group of people. But if it is something you genuinely, you know, want to take back or clarify, then that's a learning point for you. That's an opportunity for you to grow. So it's never... I would say, fortunately, life isn't balanced because it yeah. would be so boring otherwise. Oh, yeah, we'd you all know? be bored. 
It's true. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today, but I think we've talked a lot about, I think predominantly like habits. And if anyone listening, you know, this is our first podcast of the year. So it's January, everyone's setting themselves up for the new year. If you have set yourself habits or uh, sorry, like goals or there are habits you do want to integrate, there's a lot that Haley's shared today that we've spoken about. Um, You know, even if you've got a goal that you've set, but you haven't worked out how you're actually going to implement it in your in your routine or what that habit means to you. I think there's a lot you can take away from today. But if anyone does want to reach out or chat to you personally, get to know you a bit more, where's the best place they can do so? Probably Instagram. So Instagram, I've obviously got my profile there, and it's just Haley Westerby. It's my full I'll name. put the handle below. Boring. Um, but <laughs> original. Very original. Um, I actually recently got told that it's very like uncommon for you to be able to get your name really name like because a lot of people there's a lot of double ups happening now um that i'd be curious to see their, mine doubled up. yeah initial name so they've got to put numbers or something next to it so original Haley westerby um and worth then, millions yeah, we were exactly <laughs> hopefully there's a famous Haley westerby and i can sell my instagram to her <laughs> um and then my email is on there as well so i Perfect. get a lot of emails um from people following um asking a little bit more deeper questions or um, asking about various things that I'm doing so perfect so if anyone's really like resonated with anything Haley said she's super friendly you know like I actually think after the first time we met we just hung out like a couple yeah. times after and I was like I've literally known this girl for like <laughs> two days <laughs> but I, it just clicked it when does click, and I click. think that when you like I said you surround yourself with people with the same values morals and energy it just works it can't yeah. not and when they get on with your mum too. Yeah. Because it's that, a bonus. It's always a bonus. Hi, mum. <laughs> she will be listening. Hi, mum. <laughs> but yeah, we'll leave it there. But thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to see what this year brings for you. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it. Or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, stop, stop.